0: Welcome to your last podcast, the last podcast in the game, but the first you should listen to. I'm your host, Colton Simpson. With me this week, all the way down at the other end of the table, it's Mr. Listen himself, Josh Faye. What are you at? And to my left, your right, it's our resident audiophile, William M. Clark. This is it? And last but certainly not least, always in my corner, it's the amazing Grace Tadijan. Hello, hello. So what is your last podcast, we're a conversational podcast where every week each of us brings a topic of conversation to argue amongst ourselves and talk it out for your amusement. And usually this is where I'd go and some, you know, subscribe to the channel, help us out on Patreon, but this is our last podcast. So, you know, stay tuned for the rest of the episode. We'll get into it a little bit more at the end of the episode as to why we're ending things, but this is it. This is episode 22, 88 topics. Um, this is our last podcast. So, Off of that, there's no real easy pivot, and I guess I'll keep things as as a downer, but uh, I'm starting things off this week, and my topic is, uh, how do we get rid of a dead body? (laughs) Which, uh, yeah. uh, It's not ill-timed at all. (laughs) No. Um, Basically, I just want to ask the table, how do we get rid of a dead body? It's not exactly that complicated. You know, you're found with a dead body. How do you get rid of it? Josh, you told me off camera that you had a really good answer for this, so for our last episode, I'm going to throw it to you.
1: Start her off solid. Okay, so the objective is to avoid getting caught, I'm assuming, obviously, is the reason. So it's disposal.
0: Yes, get rid of it. Okay,
1: so this is not actually my answer, so I have to give a shout out to BJ Saunders with the commissionaires back in Goose Bay, who told me this amazing way to dispose of someone you absolutely hated. If it ever came down to like, I don't know, say you got into a bar fight or whatever, and accidentally killed him. (laughs) So he said, the ultimate way, he said, because, you know, obviously if you just go buried in the woods, there's always a chance that through an excavation or through a forestry survey or whatever, that they're going to find it. If you throw it out in the ocean, there's always a chance that, you know, the dragger is going to pull it up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Always a chance. So why take a chance? What you need to do is you need to hide it somewhere close to home that can provide... A continual means of satisfaction. So (laughs) satisfaction. So so (laughs) so BJ's answer was to take the body to your cabin, dig a pit for your outhouse and put the body in the shit pit, and that's where you would leave it. So you could continually shit on this person you hated for years and no one would (laughs) ever decide to check it out and investigate. (laughs) Because nobody wants to go poking around a shithole in the outhouse. So I thought that that was a brilliant answer. Like, (laughs) it would never be found. It would be gone forever beyond, beyond all reasonable trace.
0: So, yeah, beige. There you go. You got your answer. That the air. would be
2: one smelly outhouse. Oh yeah.
0: But I mean, it does disguise the smell, which is yeah. something you got to f- kind of factor in. What was funny was how
1: much satisfaction he derived out of the idea of just shitting on someone you hated. <laughs> yeah, when you said satisfaction, here. I got a
2: little nervous. <laughs> well, no, you were
1: thinking Norman Bates probably, but <laughs> yeah. you know, we're not ta- we're not going there. But yeah, no, that's beige's answer, so I figured there's nothing I'm going to come up with that's going to be better than that, so it's just as well to copy and paste and whack her in. All right, Grace, I
0: assume probably on the other side of the yeah, tracks. Kinda, how do you, how I, would you get rid of a dead body? I was body? trying
2: to think of this, and in all honesty, I would call the cops and fess up. Like, I Let's knew you be were going to say that, but
0: you got to get rid <laughs> of it. Let's
1: be
2: serious. Okay, well, if I actually had to get rid of it, I'd probably call you Colton. Okay. Of everybody I know, you're probably the most likely person I would call to be completely honest. Sweet. All right. <laughs> um, and then what would we do with it? You always talk. Well, I won't steal what I know you're going to say. Because, Maybe not,
0: actually. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Oh, OK. Because you always talked about the cesspool in Goose Bay.
0: Oh, that's oh. A, that wasn't what I was thinking. of. Oh, Go for no? it. Yeah, that's okay. a good answer, All right. Yeah.
2: Well, no, I know it would be like a bit of a trek to get it up to Goose Bay, but you always talked about this cesspool. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's a place that you always talked about putting a dead body. But it's drained now, though.
0: So Is that, it drained? It's drained now. Oh, so no. no. That so now out. you
2: can't kill him anyone
0: <laughs> no i guess it's off the table now
2: <laughs> but um so i was i was thinking of that but i was like oh, there's no way to do it so i was just thinking you know in hiding it in plain sight kind of thing where people won't and look for house. it <laughs> i was thinking of the you know like my storm cellar doors going down yeah. into my basement yeah. it's not so my basement for anybody who hasn't been to my house <laughs> is not actually attached To upstairs you have to go outside to get into my basement and it's unfinished the
1: crawl space is that what you're talking about yeah
2: it's like it's kind of a crawl space except i don't have to crawl because i'm short enough it's like five foot five ceilings so anybody who is taller than me can't stand up but i can stand up just fine but in between there and outside i have a a mini door that's like half the size of a regular door and then there's like these storm cellar doors and it's all earth there. So I'm thinking, dig all that up mm. and stick it down under there. Because who is going to bury a body in their own house? What kind of idiot does that? So
0: Yeah, I think John Wayne Gacy. I think one of the most notorious serial killers <laughs> okay. of all time all right. did that. But uh, yeah, probably not the best place to do it. But that's not too bad mm-hmm. of an idea.
3: And how would you get rid of a dead body? So my first thoughts were like, is it like a really bloody body? We have to worry about cleanup. Mm hmm. Did you, were they like poisoned to death or were they like beat to death with a hammer but like i'm I'm gonna take the easy way out and say they were poisoned because less know, mess less mess. My first thought was you know wrap them up in a few garbage bags, right mm-hmm. you know perfect yeah. no use bags Think, <laughs> you know and bury' them out to sea, but when Grace mentioned burying it in her house, I was thinking. Find one of those construction sites up around here. Yeah, where like they still have like a bit of gravel pit. Just dig under there, throw the body under there, <laughs> refinish the the gravel, and then when they pour the concrete, no one's gonna find that shit.
1: The sin with that is you're setting up an unsuspecting family to be haunted. <laughs> Whereas in in Beeja's scenario, it's just you know if anyone's gonna get haunted, it's gonna be you. But you don't care at this point because you're already getting satisfaction out of it.
2: That, that makes me think of there's a famous mafia family in Montreal and they own a uh, concrete company. And uh, there was this famous quote that came out a few years ago. They were I don't know who they were blackmailing somebody. But the, the line got out where was our sidewalks are long and deep and you wouldn't want to find yourself in one. So it makes Holy me think of that.
1: Shit. That's pretty badass. <laughs> Make sure you edit that in the show so I don't end up fucking buried.
0: Yeah, really, though. But That's yeah. pretty rough. Yeah. All right. So when I was looking into it, I don't actually have the best answer in terms of where to hide them. But I was looking into like all the different ways of like speed at which you'd have to get rid of the body. So three hours after death is when Rigor Mortis yeah. sets in, and you're gonna have a hell of a time maneuvering that body to get into like a trunk or get it into a back of a truck or you pull it out of somewhere by yourself so i think you either got three hours to get rid of it or three days and then i think you got like the weekend at bernie scenario where you're kind of living with a corpse for a few days until the rigor mortis is done and the body starts to decay so i'd like to say i'd be able to try and figure out how to get rid of it in three hours but you'd probably have a bit of a shock you'd probably have a bit of a god i'm gonna have to cut this thing up like what am i gonna do to get rid of it
1: sopranos always cut them up
0: always cut them up and i feel like that is probably the most economical way to get rid of it too like cut it up and maybe burn it but i just it's just a lot of it's just gross it's a lot of work to actually cut up the body and get rid of it uh we've had a lot of fires up on like seaside and stuff back in the day (laughs) you know Maybe Make if we put the pallets, we could have took one up there. You know, put it in with the pallets, maybe. But I think probably the best way to hide a body around here, if we're kind of omitting the myth of bottomless pond, which apparently loads of bodies have went in there. I mean, that'd be hard for me to get out. In You're a talking little, about the gallows, up yeah, there, up there hall, ne- right? near yeah. Signal Hill. Yeah, kind of tossing a body in there. It'd be pretty rough. I think it's just the bog method. And I think if you kind of cut up the body, went for a walk out in the bog. You know, you hit a <laughs> hit a foot here and an elbow over here <laughs> and you know, the head over here, I think the bog would speed up the process of actually like getting rid of the body to the point of by the time dogs or anything find it, it'd be like, oh, I found a femur. It wouldn't be like the whole body is there. Now, I don't know if I'd actually be able to cut up a body and get rid of it. But in terms of actually the idea of getting rid of it, you only have a couple of hours to get to it. In terms of enlisting help, I was really conflicted because I feel like grace would be someone who would keep the secret but it would eat her alive that's and it, the thing and it would build up and i think she'd wind up ratting me out at the end of it where josh i feel like you'd be a good one in terms of you have the truck that we can enlist the help in you know bring the truck along you know go for a drive across the island visit a couple bogs but i think you'd wind up like having a few drinks one time and just like spiraling into a depression and like telling the tale so i think the only way for me to keep it a true secret was if i did it myself but that you're doubling all the work so I'm certainly not telling him he'd go crazy and just blurt it out at the gas station or something while he's working. So I can't, I can't do that, but I think just keeping it to yourself, you know, work. I don't know how I do it here. I guess ham will find a half well, a torso. In tum- two,
1: there's two types of murders. There's ones you get away with and ones that leave witnesses, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's true. can't have anyone witness it. Yeah. I was taking a chance.
2: Yeah, the eating me alive thing is why to me the only answer is I'd have to turn myself in. Like I there is no way I could live with myself. I probably couldn't live with myself even if I did turn myself in. <laughs>
0: you you say that and then your answer was to the, bury them underneath your <laughs>
2: house. Well, I mean if I like if you're not giving me a choice, if yeah. you're telling there is nowhere for me to turn myself into
0: i was hoping ham's answer was going to be a little bit more out there because i was wondering how he was going to bring corpse on the bus without people (laughs) noticing Uh, you know Uh, i was just really picturing like the weekend at bernie scenario that'd be pretty fun but yeah
3: ham who would you enlist to help hide a body i think i'd do it myself is the thing and like i wouldn't want to get anyone involved in it oh there there is a good there is a good course of action I could call up all of the like, not-so-sane people that come through my gas oh, station yeah. to come carry the body out frame and then them. pin it on them. Yeah, I was going to say frame <laughs> them. That's a, that's a great idea. And they're already in the water for it, so it wouldn't change
0: their situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just might wind up in there with them out of guilt. you know. Yeah, that's true.
1: Just eliminate any chance for a recovery for the <laughs> no ones in the water for it. Just yeah. wipe that out.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Well, I think that this is just a dumb, silly topic. I guess it kind of exhausts it. Uh, Who are we throwing it to next? I think
2: I'm next. You're
0: next? All right.
2: Okay, so my topic for the week was um, which of the seven deadly sins is the worst? And so if you're like me and can never remember all seven, uh, they are, in no particular order, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. And so I'm wondering which one you folks think is the worst and what your rationale is behind it
1: for me it would have to be wrath 100 and simply because i do live by the model that you should never say anything in anger because once you say it you cannot take it back so with regard to choosing your words carefully sometimes especially if you're particularly irritated you might want to sort of hold it in and maybe vent it in a more appropriate fashion later on because once you put it out there if you explode, you could permanently damage something that you might not want to damage. So for me, wrath is always a big one. Plus, half the shit that goes wrong in the Bible anyways is God's wrath. Like, you know, <laughs> the whole Sodom and Gomorrah story. I mean, that is the
0: wrath of God. Weirdly enough, seven deadly sins, though. Not in the Bible. No, it's, it's not. It's no, not? Oh, I
2: didn't know that. Where no. does it come from then?
0: Didn't read that far, but oh, not in okay. the Bible. All right. <laughs> it's not. No, no. I,
1: I believe seven deadly sins. Is it Dante? Came up I, with that? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, is it's like it? an interpretation.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I I mean, there's plenty of instances of wrath. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, all these sins are in the Bible. I'm just saying I don't think there's a particular passage that said these are the seven deadly sins. Dante
2: was the one who made the list. Yeah,
0: it's more of like the Ten Commandments. And not even in the Old Testament at all? Not from what now, you know. I didn't dig into it. I know it's not. I I know it's not in the new one, but I was just assuming that it might have been in the old one. Maybe
2: I also made the assumption it was in the old one. I didn't look that deeply into it. I googled the list of them, but uh, that's pretty much. it. Yeah, I'll
0: put the answer on screen. But when I looked at it last Mm -hmm. night, I'm pretty sure it said that it does. It's not from biblical. I wouldn't be surprised though.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if that's just an interpretation.
2: Ham, you agreed with wrath. What's your rationale there?
3: Um, sort sort of the same thing as Josh. I think that wrath is probably like the like the most destructive of all of them like you get immediate results from wrath cuz like if you have like someone that has like uncontrolled anger or you know they're not good at like holding in like their aggressive tendencies they tend to like push people away they tend to make fe- everyone feel uncomfortable or worse and i just i just don't think that like any of the other ones like quite live up to like the destructiveness that wrath kind of has because like greed at least has like a function like (laughs) lust has a function like lust doesn't necessarily lead to bad things always but you know it could some do i just found that some led to
0: wrath like envy
1: easily leads to
3: wrath
0: Mm -hmm. and that's my choice i I chose envy it was just the gut reaction like when i read the seven i was like i think it's envy because i look at greed can be a motivator even though it's like a negative motivator it can motivate you to be more and more rich you know lust you can you know want more and more like of sexual nature or power or whatever wrath there's a goal in mind where when i was looking at envy don't get me wrong being envious of somebody is a motivator as well but if you're truly envious and you're not actually making any advances to try and like, you know, gain whatever that person has. If you're just truly envious and covetous all the time, I I just looked at it as more as like, it's almost like sloth in nature where you won't wind up doing anything because you're worried more so about the other people rather than yourself. Whereas the other ones I found were just a little bit more purely what you want and purely your nature. I know the argument can be made for envy as well. But yeah, where like pride, it's like, okay, I'm very pride and I'm an egotistical person. But Envy is truly just being like, I want what they have. So at least, yeah, I, I don't know. I went with envy. <laughs>
1: yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, that was the other one I struggled a lot with was, which one am I going to pick? Is it going to be envy? Because that is in no way healthy to just be envious of everyone else who has something that you don't. Yeah. It eventually leads to resentment. The main difference for me was that's an internal reaction yeah. and internal emotion, whereas wrath is actually now me Acting on my emotions, so that was the big reason why I chose wrath over envy.
0: and I do agree with you that you know being envious probably does lead the wrath, but I've, mm-hmm. when I was just taking them by themselves without actually getting into the other ones, I was like just being purely envious is almost to me like if you're not acting on it, if you're just always wanting what other people have or wanting you know to be like them, I just I just it was like it's almost like sloth in a way, which mm-hmm. sloth I think is a pretty boring answer, but that's
2: my answer yeah, my I kind of figured. So it's funny because you're talking, Josh, about how, you know, like wrath is out there affecting other people. But I was looking at it the other way of basically all of these, if you keep them to yourself, you know what I mean? If you're angry in your own home or something like that, if you, you know, pick the cupboard and, you know, nobody else is around to, to see it or be impacted by it, you know, all of these have the potential to not impact other people if you, you know, practice some self-restraint in some way. Mm-hmm. But sloth. Your sloth will always impact other people is the way I look at it. If you don't do your dishes, then somebody else is inconvenienced. You know, if you you live with people, if you live with people, I mean, if you're a hermit out in the woods and you never ever do anything, then yes, you're Mm -hmm. but in like the larger context of society and interacting with other people, you know, if you don't do your work at work, it will impact other people until you are the one to get fired but first it will impact other people
1: there is an argument to be made dear, because if you don't even do anything and you live by yourself and you end up on social assistance you are yeah. impacting the greater good i I, yeah.
0: I can get behind that sure and you can make the argument for any of those seven things oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um when i was googling it it was pretty much unanimously everyone says the worst is pride
2: really yeah
0: and they say if you look at like throughout history throughout like all of like the evil dictators and all these evil people the one commonality between them all is pride they say pride is the one that basically It makes the person be like totalitarian, makes them be in like a completely egotistical person and basically makes them delve into all the other sins. It was Mm -hmm. just personally, I didn't really think pride was the worst one out of them.
2: Yeah, because I mean, I think there's also, you know, benefits to pride, obviously, like being proud of your work, being proud of the people you love, being, you know, proud of your country or something along those lines. There's a lot of positivity in
0: pride there is and you know then the argument is like you know very being prideful of your country Mm -hmm. has caused a lot of harm through history right
1: the more you explain it the more i start to agree with it Mm -hmm. in terms of it is very secular as as soon as you start going down that road and you start isolating yourself this is what i'm proud of and Mm -hmm. obviously if i'm proud of something it's different than something that you're not so there you go, The identity politics is already starting to form, yeah, and it, it
0: winds up being like you know if you lust for something and somebody doesn't give it to them, then wrath is shown very quickly, you know, or if you're lusting for things because of your power and your pride, you can usually get it, right, you know, to the harm of others. It's you know i I didn't do too much reading into it, but i because I was like, no, I think it's envy, <laughs> but well,
2: yeah no yeah. And, uh, like part like the question was well, you know which one is yeah, exactly. is you know for you yeah. so. Yeah. If you definitely find that envy is worse, there's no you know, no wrong answer.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think like envy, like I say, could be used as a motivator. It's just I think if you're just truly envious and you're just always complaining all the time about other people and never actually looking at yourself i just kind of think that winds up being really negative oh, yeah,
2: absolutely it's not constructive in any way no. you know that's the thing with most of these is they're not constructive they don't help you they don't help anybody else you know there is no upside to many of these
0: that's why i think your argument for sloth is probably it's it's equally it's a very similar argument to my own where mm-hmm. you're not doing anything just by the very nature of sloth you don't do anything yeah exactly
2: yeah, yeah. here we go anybody else want to chime in nope no all right <laughs> i think
3: that I think that sets it up, yeah.
2: All right. Well, then, Ham, I think your topic is next.
3: So I wanted to go into a piece of music or maybe like an album or song that maybe like stirs something up in you. Maybe it makes you feel nostalgic or it takes you to a certain place in your life or time and, you know, makes you like look back on things or like self-reflect. And I have a few of those albums because I'm like... My vice is music when I'm like feeling down or bummed out. But um I guess I'll kick it off because I have I have an answer right away. Um there's there's this one hardcore record that I found when I was like just coming out of high school. It's by a band called Counterparts, they're from Hamilton, Ontario. And that record when I heard it, and I was like So like I didn't know what the hell I was doing because I like just got out and I was like, I kinda wanna go do music and see where that takes me, or should I go to school and and I'm still kinda there. I'm still like I have no idea what I'm doing. But like that record, I can kick that back and sort of like look through it. And like the way that it's presented is just really, really raw because like everything is just single tracked and All the songs are edited kinda bad. Like you can hear click tracks in some of the Oh, I know. I've heard it. (laughs) You can hear click tracks in some of the drum tracks and most of it is like really just like rushed and you can tell like they were like trying to get it out and like they like weren't quite there when they were playing it, but they're like really trying. And like the album itself just sounds anxious and young and like youth, I think that's
0: that's how well, it's very it. raw they don't know what they're doing yeah know, essentially right it's just they wanted to get something out there and
3: they pushed through to get it done but the like the lyrics on that album were like straight up just like i'm lost i hate everything i don't want to feel like this and then that carries throughout the whole album and it's just like his thoughts throughout the whole and thing and at the time you could really relate to them is what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. and like at at that time it's like that's what i needed like mm-hmm. i needed a record like that that was like self-reflective and a big mess i think that's that album like sums up my like late teenage years to mid-20s i think
0: yeah and from what you're saying like where music is your passion i feel about music the way josh said a few episodes he feels about movies they're just movies he doesn't care about it to me music is a distraction it's something i put on in the background and that's why a lot of my music uh, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. It's obnoxious. Yeah. It's loud. It's most people hate it. It's irritating at times. It was dubstep. Now you know. Now it's metalcore, where it's a mixture of screaming with soft vocals. Like my music is obnoxious, and it's kind of the drowned out everything. Um, when I think about an album, this isn't my pick, but I think about like in, back in 2010 or 2009. Every single day when we drive to school, I'd have Alisanas' The Emptiness on, and it's an album that it tells a story from the beginning to the end. This whiny whiny tracks they tell this story of annabelle you know this girl that died and now she's back as a ghost and they can't get (laughs) over her all my friends that drove around with me at that time they knew all the lyrics to the emptiness we knew all the songs we could all sing along to it but my choice i'm gonna go with something from a couple of years ago is attack attacks the motivation the song off of that third album of attack attack that band that's known for the crab core dancing oh my <laughs> where, gosh
2: i was like why does that sound familiar where they, they get
0: down and they kind of scuttle back and forth and headbang it's like the weirdest shit ever but they have a song that they wrote in their last album before they went out and it's just this song where uh lyrically it's kind of framed about i think a guy at war and he's coming back you know he wants to get home he wants to get out of this 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 headspace and of course all of these lyrics you know if you search it up you're gonna have a hard time even picking it out because it's all screams for the most part but when he gets to the course in the song it's hopeful and motivational of uh, even though i'm experiencing all this war and all this terrible things across the seas, at least i have something to look forward to and of course as the song progresses he applies wars to different things you know wars inside yourself you know depression anxiety you know not getting along with people and as the song progresses the course Starts to get additional lines and actually extend a little bit longer. So it's like, hey, the positive message of the chorus is kind of outweighing all those angry vocals. And it ends, you know, that it is still angry, but he's even decided how to actually come to peace with that anger and kind of use it to get over things. So it winds up being a very positive song at the end. It's not something I actually go out of my way to listen to. It just seems to pop up every now and then, kind of when I need to hear it. So the Motivation by Attack Attack, which, if anybody else listens to it, it does not sound like a beautiful <laughs> song, but whenever it found me at 2011 or 2012, whenever it came out, I, I appreciated it. So,
2: there you go. Um, Matchbox 20s, 3 a.m. A lot of uh, people typically think of me as a very happy and optimistic person. That takes a lot of work. Mm. I would not call myself a happy person, I would not call myself an optimistic person. And, but, you know what, I, you know, I can sit and I can wallow, or I can make the effort and I can try to be happy and I can try to focus on the positive. So Mm -hmm. that's what I try to do every day. But um, there are certain days where it's harder than others, as, you know, everybody feels. You know, some days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, some days it's hard to motivate yourself. And that song just, I feel, is the exact kind of sadness I feel every day. And so... Listening to it and the, it's a story about a basically a girl who is sad Who is going out of her way to try and make other people happy and that's what I spend uh, Most of my life doing and so uh, I, I put in the, the effort to be to be happy and to be nice to other people There's a lot of other songs on that album uh, lyrically probably um, long day on that same album probably more um, Lyrically uh, speaks to me, but it's angrier, and I don't really have a lot of anger inside of me. That's not an uh, that's an emotion that I'm pretty good at at handling and working out logically. Whereas sadness is one that I find very difficult to logic my way out of. Mm-hmm. And so, listening to 3 a.m. by Matchbox Twenty, it's just it's a weird kind of it's it's a cross between self indulgence and reassuring. And I think it's because I look at Rob Thomas, who is the lead singer of Matchbox 20. Um, he grew up in a, you know, a horribly broken home. He was, you know, addicted to drugs. He was in and out of, you know, juvenile detention facilities. He was homeless. And I go, look, if somebody from that, that situation can, can write something that speaks to me who grew up in privilege and all this kind of stuff. And if he can do what he did, it's not so bad. I'm going to be OK. You know, no matter how down i am on a particular day and it's enough to just push me through and remind me okay you know things aren't so bad i got this but it's that the, the melancholy in that song is what i feel weighs on me every single day what about you josh i think Ooh, that's fuck. a good
1: answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah follow that up josh all right well for me i had a hard time with your question just because i was sort of struggling to think of something that I didn't talk about when we were talking about a streaming services episode. And then when we talked about your favorite score. Mm -hmm. So if I had to nail it down to something that automatically, if I were to hear it come on today, that gives me an emotional reaction right away and puts me back to a time and place long ago, it would definitely be Cascadas, Bad Boy. (laughs) I knew you were
2: gonna say that.
1: (laughs) That song by Cascada. I have two answers. Don't worry. This one is a little bit more serious. (laughs) That song, which is such a burnt song, that just makes me think about off-roading in Goose Bay, Mm -hmm. flying down trails in the woods, climbing over trees and stuff like that, pulling trees out of the ground with my father's truck, stuff like that drifting around in the drop zone in a big old f-250 truck I, that's the kind of stuff i think about when i hear that song it just puts me right back to like summer 2009
0: it's unreal yeah i think about like pumping the brakes to the beat oh, of yeah. the song and everyone jerking back and forth to the beat of cascada yeah
1: but yeah, aside as, you know sticking with the theme of off-roading and being mobile a song that i really like that makes me sad uh, but also is very nostalgic for me is drive by alan jackson i don't know if you guys have ever heard that song because country music isn't probably your forte but most people out there would know the song drive if they heard it and that song is just one that makes me think of like my dad being down on dump road in the, in the, in the truck or in the little Volkswagen golf car trying to learn how to drive standard. And it, that's basically what the song describes. It just describes a relationship between the boy and his dad learning how to drive everything from a motorboat to an old truck, beat up truck. And it just... It fits perfectly because even in the song, it says, you know, they were hauling trash down some old road. And that's where I learned how to drive was down on the old dump road in Goose Bay, right? Mm -hmm. Dodging the bears and you dancing around the refrigerators on the trail. That's pretty much where my dad showed me how to drive. So whenever I hear that song, it puts me all them years ago back to like when I was 15, which most of us learned how to drive before we were 16 back in Goose Bay. You know, learning how to to drive everything from (laughs) uh, skidoos when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old to boats and quads and motorcycles. All I mean, my dad showed me how to do all that stuff. So it's, it, it puts, well, actually my mom taught me how to ride motorcycles. So that's kind of a little bit different, but you know, it's, when I hear that song, it just puts me back into that frame of mind and makes me long for simpler times, I guess.
0: Yeah. And if I was going for like a nostalgia pick for me, like, Red jumpsuit apparatus, oh, face down. Yeah. Whenever I hear that song, I picture being in James Kant's shed up in Park, just playing Pokemon Blue on a GameCube emulator. It brings me right back. Or Tears Don't Fall, because James was the big emo kid out of all of our friends. Like I remember, he was one of those people that he would listen to the song over and over and over again. He'd listen to like Tears Don't Fall like a hundred times in one day. So I remember just sitting in his room, Tears Don't Fall on loop as we're playing like let's say Gears of War or something. So there, there was more nostalgic picks for sure. What about you,
3: Ham? Is there any, like, nostalgic picks for you? Or? One, one that brings a smile to my face is, like, that, like, dumb first job for a cowboy album. Oh, is God, that, like, the pink squeal one. Oh, my God. Like, I remember just, like, when that came on, like, the album is hilariously, like, good for what it is, but, like, <laughs> it's a laugh. Like, Well, it's deathcore music. Most of it's just guttural. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's like so many weird noises and like the songs are all fucked up and like I remember like going on YouTube and like watching all their like live shows and then they'd be like a complete mess be like hey we're driving for a cab I'm like, <laughs> and, like I was expecting you to say something by
1: Lonely Island or something maybe <laughs> that's what I was sort of thinking
3: that was that that stuff's a laugh too but like nostalgic picks I don't know like a lot of 80s music is nostalgic, nostalgic to me just because like my parents are from that era like late 80s early 90s music Mm -hmm. um and like anytime i hear like hair rock i think of my dad being like young and having jerry curls and (laughs) smoking darts outside my house like like fixing something like that's that's what like hair rock reminds me of like a tea. and like my dad listens to a lot of country music too That's but like point
1: i can see i can see like any one of my family back in goose bay fixing a skidoo with like van halen's panama on, in yeah the background, exactly, something exactly. Like that. Like, i can see
3: that yeah yeah It's just like in general just like the 80s and 90s remind me of my parents a lot my 80s and 90s was just all christian jams <laughs> yeah So yeah, <laughs> so true, so you,
0: hope so. yeah virtuoso oh, is a jam but uh yeah i don't have too much nostalgia from like that age i don't think yeah for you I'd assume it'd be like Disney music, is that somewhat nostalgic? Like any of those for you or
2: yeah, I mean, probably my most listened to song of all time is, I won't say I'm in love from the Hercules soundtrack.
0: That's um, a good one.
2: That was one of the few Disney albums that we had like an actual CD of and therefore listened to a lot. And uh, Tarzan,
1: Phil Collins, come no, on, No,
2: my mom was never a Phil Collins or a Genesis fan. So like we didn't have that. I don't even know why. I feel like I must have gotten it for a birthday present or something. It's mm. very unusual that we had this CD, but um No, I loved that song. And so that was one I listened to in my room on repeat a lot as a little kid. And it was also when we would go skiing as kids, I was allowed to choose the music on the way there. And it was always Hercules and Jack was always allowed to choose the music on the way back. And it was always the Beatles number one album. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my most listened to song of all time. But yeah, like Disney music is definitely nostalgic um spent a lot of I mean I listened to like all the the popular things in elementary school right oh, okay. I listened to Michelle Branch I listened to Vanessa Carlton I listened to Britney Spears all these things right like mm-hmm. the the cute poppy girl songs on the radio but um I grew out of that pretty quick no longer interested in what was on the radio so yeah know that it was an easy question for me to answer there's you know a few other nostalgic albums I've uh, Savage Garden's Affirmation, like super sappy, like when you're a sad high school student. I mean, that is a, a classic album to listen to. But uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't have an album because back in the day, I was a burnt CD kid. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd get order, on that LimeWire. Get on LimeWire.
3: Lime You've never picked
0: the top tree. <laughs> you always got to go Ooh. below the top tree. Oh yeah, for sure. I, you know, and it was just, these albums basically made of mostly linkin park songs you know and at the time i made sure i'd get the non-explicit versions, so my mom would let me listen to them because i didn't want you know them the curse in the songs and her make me turn it off so yeah a lot of i was kind of expecting you to pick linkin park (laughs) yeah and you know i i I definitely look back to like numb and in the end at the time like i love those songs three days grace
1: the animal oh that was a good
0: one too yeah but I just look back to those days and I find them really hard to listen to now, just because of Chester Bennington, so uh Lincoln Park would be you know a soft spot in my heart. I don't change the you know the Spotify if in the end comes on. I'll leave that one on, but there a lot of their other songs I just don't listen to anymore. It's just they don't really strike a chord with me i think
3: that I think that sums it up for everyone.:
0: that's it isn't
3: i oh. I could go on with like a few more things, but like I' think I'm dragging it on now. okay uh, so well, I'll
1: take over here now, so. My question, obviously, seeing how it's our last episode is it's a year from now, so it's midsummer twenty twenty. You're looking back, you're sitting down, you're having a cup of coffee, and you're thinking about this time last year, and you think about the show. What is it you are going to remember and or what's going to stand out in your head? That's just a general question I want to sort of pose to the table. I think we'll all have very different answers.
3: Um for me, one of the big ones is dropping the coffee on my computer and everything and just making a big mess of the table mm-hmm. that is nightmarish <laughs> that that whole scenario was just nightmarish that or like see like seeing colton in his room like editing for like hours at first especially and, like he's oh, gotten yeah. a lot faster at it but like when he first started holy shit and that was like that was some rough stuff Oh yeah, like I said, the first episode took me 38 hours straight. (laughs) You know, it doesn't take me 38
0: hours anymore, but Mm yeah.
3: And some of it's the stressful things, and some of it's just like, Josh coming over with his tea, stumbling through the door, I mean like, What's up, girls? <laughs> <laughs> every week, yeah. And every week, you're be like, oh, Jesus. And like, <laughs> and c- come through a drawer with like some story that I couldn't save for the show because it was just too good, right? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. too good. Was or too, too good. rotten
1: in nature to
0: tell on the air. <laughs> yeah, probably that. <laughs>
2: I'm probably going to look back and go, like, that was good timing because I don't know if there has been, other than when we were in. I want to say in university, but honestly, even then, I don't think I would have had time with being an RA and everything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times in my life have I been able to have a flexible enough job and or other life circumstances that I could have done something like this? And what with, you know, school coming in the fall and everything like that, I think I'll, I'll think back and go, you know, that was good timing. For for something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise I'm obviously I don't know what the future holds, but what with going back to school and working and traveling and everything that I've got on my plate right now, it's it's going to be very, very busy coming up. So the timing worked out well for me.
0: I guess I'll go and drag it all down. Yeah, I mean, on, on the show, I've mentioned a couple of times about being a pessimist or being a realist or whatever. Uh, to me... Pessimist. Yeah, you know, and that's what I said. I am more of a pessimist. Uh, to me, I'll look back on it. Hopefully, it's a way that I learned how to edit and learn how to do a little bit of audio and stuff. But ultimately, in terms of the show itself, I will look at it as a failure. And it's hard for me not to look at it as a failure. It's just because there were certain things that were planned and certain things I wanted to do that will never happen. You know, just stuff like wanting to get a guest on will will never do. Or I, I thought about like, oh, if, whenever Josh misses an episode, I'll have a funny gag, you know, just with, you know, <laughs> the three items to summon him to throw that in there. The Woods coat. Yeah, you know, or like even certain topics when I was going over it here, like the last week, I was like, oh, shit, that probably would have been a good topic if it wasn't the last episode. You know, so there are certain aspects that I will definitely look at it back as a failure. And, um... Hopefully when we get further out there will be more positive aspects for but for me for a lot of the time as someone who's editing the show I'm basically seeing the flaws all the time no matter what you know if I'm stumbling over my word I'm going to cut it out and hopefully you know it fixes it a little bit if there's an awkward pause I'll cut it out just by Sorry. the very nature of yeah just by the very nature of editing I am focusing on the flaws more than anything else right I'm trying to look for all those moments when you know I breathe in the mic a little bit too much or You know, We talk for a minute and it doesn't impact the conversation and we already have a long episode. So I think just by the very nature of me expecting things to go longer and also all these different ideas that we never got to try, it winds up being a little bit to me as a failure. Now, in terms of the quality of the show, I think we've definitely had some really good episodes. I think we've had some (laughs) mediocre or even bad episodes here or then. But by the nature of this show being topical, we live and die by the topics every single week. You know, there's been many times where we choose a topic where we think it's going to be an amazing topic and it goes on for seven, eight, nine minutes and we have to kind of strain to try and get at the 15. Like, for example, when, in this very episode, when I picked the dead body one, I was like, oh, we could probably <laughs> laugh about that for 15 minutes. And, you know, I glance up at the clock and it's like, oh, bye, we're nine minutes in. You know, when I edit that down, it'll probably be eight. You know, it winds up being the thing where you live and die by the topics on this sort of show. Mm-hmm. So... There will be times I look back and, you know, I laugh and I like certain things. But ultimately, if I look at the whole thing, if it was purely up to me, it wouldn't be ending where it was ending and it would go on for a while yet. And hopefully there would have been time to mix in all these things, try out different groups and panels and, you know, see who works. Let me watch a show where I'm not hosting. Like, I would have loved that to see one of you guys host the show instead for a week, you know, when I was away to TIFF or something like that. But it just for me currently and hopefully in a year's time, I reflect on it differently. It's a very like bitter pill right now for me. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and I'm very much the same way, just in terms of <clears throat> I'm one that never really deals well with what if scenarios. Generally I, I come across as relatively optimistic and you know, if you can't laugh, it's just well to die type of thing. But you know, I do have, when I lie awake in bed at night wondering geez, what if, what if, what if, you know, I I don't like these kinds of questions. I'm Mm -hmm. one that likes a strong resolution. I don't like ambiguous or nonsensical endings. So very much like yourself, I wasn't exactly pleased to hear that the show was going to end a bit early, but obviously I'm only one party in a party of four. Um, With regard to how I'll look back on the show in a year's time, I hope that there's a point in this show somewhere between between the sheets of the drama that has occurred since day one, because there have been multiple things that have cropped up along the way. I hope there's a point where we genuinely found our niche, and I'll be able to tell it, I mean, all you guys will be able to tell it as well when you look at it, where, oh yeah, they're, they're, they've they're got that cohesion. They've got that vibe going now. I feel like there's has to be an episode somewhere where we just sort of got whatever we had, and then however long that lasted, so be it. But in terms of specific events that'll stand out to me, I'll never forget how we all felt after episode one or two, where it was just never recorded at all. Oh, yeah. And, and we were gutted as a table.
0: That was episode one. Because, it,
1: yeah, it, 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 it was so crucial that we meet that deadline, mm-hmm. and it was just an absolute nightmare trying to get that together. But for me personally, aside from like that one little instance that's kind of funny now, I'll always sort of look back on it as we stopped buying the group lotto tickets. One of the main reasons I'm still in group lotteries from workplaces, I don't even work anymore, is because I can't stand the idea of, my God, if they win, and I was left out, I'll never get over it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, I I sort of look at it that way. And, uh, you know, that can be maybe slightly too optimistic, but I started this because I thought it actually had a chance of being really good and could have grown into something. So for me, we we stopped buying the Group Lotto ticket, and you know, we could have won the six forty nine. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion, but yeah, not to bring everything too down. But I don't really see any way to end aside from a sad note. Can, can I
3: bring up something though? Like, sure, go ahead. If like we never did this, we wouldn't have found out that like Grace is like low key funny as fuck sometimes. <laughs> can be, yeah. Just like the timing of like some of your comments are perfect. You don't drive. drive. I'm just
2: (laughs) saying.
0: Yeah, I think some of us knew that. Like, I I knew Grace could be snarky. I know know, I'm
2: hilarious. I
3: mean, you know, I'm I I don't know. I'm I haven't seen Grace like say like anything like mean spirited ever. And I think that this is a good place to bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes she's a bit biting. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and don't get me wrong, the whole thing isn't negative, but you're just talking about a general view of it. You know. Any project that I want to do, I want to see it to completion. Now that the fact that it's a podcast and it's a weekly thing, you know, would have completion been 30 episodes, 50 episodes, 200 episodes? I don't know, because it is by its very nature, something that on forever. But I just I just like seeing things completed. And when things end a little bit sooner than I expected, and we kind of have to be like, well, we got two weeks left. Let's scramble and try and pick two topics that are good.
3: It it just it's it just happened a lot quicker than I expected. Yeah. So. And to bring that up, the the reason, the whole reason we're ending this a bit early is kind of on me, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to cut this a bit early because I'm currently me and him are trying to move out, and yeah, we've been living together for like ten years. Yeah, so (laughs) so like it's it's kind of like closing that chapter and like in a way it kind of closed this for me a little bit and like I wasn't necessarily like maybe this should end forever but like where we're to now I think it's that that might be the case Yeah, well, what happened was, was when Ham told me a couple weeks ago, like
0: after one of the recordings, it was actually one of the episodes I think we all felt really positive mm-hmm. about. No, it was a you good know, episode. You know, like we, it so often is. Yeah, we all felt really good about it. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think it actually did poorly. But whatever. That, that's what happens. The episodes we really like are the ones that don't perform and the ones that I'm kind of like, ah, that was mediocre, do, do well. So there's no way to play with this. It's just some, some episodes do better than others. But he told me that he wanted to be finished within two to three weeks' time. And Grace and Josh and I, we did have a conversation about it, about keeping the show going with the three of us, because the plan sort of was, you know, cursory up in the air that we'd at least give it until the end of summer. So that would be like episode 28, because at that point in time, I'd be going to TIFF. The way it wraps out, it would have been three recording sessions in a row that I would have missed. And quite frankly, you guys can't do the editing like I do every week. No, so it there's been, no way it would have been a bit tough to record three extra episodes apart from would all. Not impossible. Rec- not impossible. It would have been tough. So with Grace going and doing her masters, and with me going to TIFF, and Josh going back to school, you know, full time September, you know, pivoting a bit, it made sense. Maybe things end the end of August. So when it happened a little bit sooner, I don't think really any of us were expecting it to end so soon. But we did have the conversation about going with the three of us, and it's just kind of like too big of a shakeup, I think, for six episodes. I know Josh felt differently about it. He thinks that we should have did six more episodes, just the three of us. It was just, for myself, I think it's just too much of a shakeup. We would have had to add a fourth camera to give us each our own camera. We would have had to squeeze the table. There was certain things. Ham is taking a lot of the audio recording equipment. There were certain aspects to it that it was a bit of a hurdle for just six more episodes when I'm not even sure if the show would be improved. And that is the big what if question. It's like, honestly, I don't know if the show is improved or not with cutting ham out or trimming it to 40 minutes or, you know, there there's certain aspects that I don't know. Uh, we talked about replacing Am, you know, with different people that we know, but there's nobody that we knew that actually wanted to be involved full time in the show, I don't think, like a weekly recurring person. And then that puts the onus on us, the
1: And don't get me wrong, it is a very large commitment. And we do understand like I do understand that anyone who wants out, man, you gotta pull the ripcord. You gotta do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it it, knowing that something's coming doesn't make it any easier necessarily to hear,
0: right? No, not at all. And like I said, we it's just it became like a production nightmare of like rebooting everything six for six episodes left that for me it was like I don't know if it would have been a better show or not. If it was truly like the show would be way better. And these last six episodes would be like a season two or rebooting or something like that. I would have felt more confidently about it, but I was just worried that we'd go on to episode 23 with three of us and it'd be a shittier show for it or be a half hour show for it. And then just Peter out even more because you know, don't get me wrong. Like I see views, I see all that, but that was never a factor in terms of the show ending. I don't think in terms of being like, well, the first episode got 500 views and episode 20 got 50. You know, I don't think that would, came up in terms of ending the show for that reason. No. no it
3: so. Definitely wasn't that.
0: But I don't know if any of us want to say our piece anymore in terms of Josh's topic. If if not, I'll, I'll go right to wrapping it up. You know, it's it's a bit sad. It's, you know, a shorter episode for our last one, but you know, I I guess I'll
1: Well, I'd like to say a couple of shout outs just before we sort of go off to you. Yeah. Um uh, and I some of this is probably going to be somewhat repetitive, but I don't know what he has written. I only know what I have written, wrote, which is You know, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone out there that's been watching from day one, including the viewers and the patrons. You guys are great. It was an amazing feeling that very first episode. We had a ridiculous outcry of responses from people on that. I mean, even someone from CBC reached out to get a hold of us. Like, it was truly (laughs) unanticipated. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, there have been, like he said, sure, there's been some dwindling of viewership, but we've remained constant in... Uh, a large segment of people that I didn't really anticipate would be watching all the time, some of whom include, and I'm just going to shout them out here now because I know she's waiting for it, uh, Mm -hmm. Jennifer Mayo and Bradley Douglas up there in Labrador City, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're watching all the time. And these are people that, sure, yeah, close friends. And uh, it's just nice to know that they genuinely enjoy watching me. God knows they sees enough of me over a dozen beer and a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to know that they also want to watch every single week to see like, oh, geez, what's he doing out there in town, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a good feeling to know that people actually give a fuck about what you're doing and think that it's entertaining enough. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real, it's an hour. Most people tune out after 10 minutes, man, for most things. So there are people out there, I'm sure, that maybe click on it, watch it for a few minutes and then jump out. But I know that they watch from start to finish. And the same thing with family out there. like. You know, you guys are great. It's, it's been a laugh. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the future.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I just want to pretty much thank the same people that Josh thanked. Like, I, I'll start off with family and friends, you know. My mom, my dad, who I never figured would ever tune into something like this, tunes in a little bit. Carvey would message me every single week asking for the topics ahead of time. Sometimes I'd give it to him, sometimes <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, my sister, you know, working as an RCMP officer, finding the time to listen. But mostly I want to thank is my brother and his girlfriend, Catherine they would kind of make it almost like an event every single week. And it started off with them giving me like notes on how to improve things or edits or kind of fine tune things. And eventually just wound up just being like, well, we like the show and this is what we liked and here's our answers and stuff. So it wound up, they actually found to be like fans themselves, obviously. Um, secondly, I got to thank all of you guys um, because obviously, that. Yeah. because obviously I couldn't have done this without you guys. Um, you know, I think I am was kind of the glue in terms of the friends of all you guys. You don't really hang out by yourself, so I kind of pulled you all together. So obviously, I couldn't have done this without you guys. So got to thank all three of you guys for doing this. And uh, last that I have to thank is obviously the fans. Josh already mentioned our patrons, but the fact that we got any patrons at all with no goals, you got nothing for it. I was hoping <laughs> we would have stickers or a card or something to give, but we just... Never really got to that point, but the fact that people felt strongly enough about the show to give us money every month really helped encourage it. And, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't take any m- money for July, just to no. be clear, you know, because we knew a couple weeks ahead that the show was going to wrap up in July. So I want to thank those and yeah, basically what Josh is saying. I want to thank anyone who's liked, commented, subscribed. Anyone who's ever shared the video. Mosifer in particular, oh my sh- God, sharing Mo, every single week. So like I said, there hasn't there's been members of uh, the table here that forget to share. He's never sh- forgotten since like episode job, five Mo or Biden. six. So. And uh, if you're just tuning into this episode, I, I thank you for watching. It was just a morbid curiosity to see like, well, this failed. Let's see what happened. Um, <laughs> I think morbid.
2: You- well, how would they uh, bury a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or
0: that, you know, I-, I thank you for watching. And of course, I thank anyone who's been there since the beginning. So uh, with that, I don't know if anybody else has anything to say, but
2: yeah, I want to say thank you to you, Colton. You were <laughs> this podcast. You were the one who put in all of the work, all of the hours, all of the figuring. Yeah. That was all you. And we all know that it's all you. So, uh, you know, I said I'd stick around as long as you wanted to do it because I support you in everything you do. So I just want to say thank you to you for all of the hard work you've put in. Yeah. And to, uh, I didn't have nearly as many people tuning in to listen to me as you guys did. Mm. But uh, my friend Luke, who would always listen on his drives uh, across the island. Yeah. My friend Deb, who would listen on her way to work every day. And my friend Andrew, who found time to listen all the time. So those are the people who... I wanted to give a little shout out to in addition to you.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely got to thank you, obviously. <laughs> in terms of people to watch, um, most of my family doesn't watch. My dad watches sometimes, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's random buys that I haven't seen in a long while. Mark Rousel. <laughs> Mo is like... Stephen Green, all the way out there in Steven, Alberta. Oh, yeah. Stephen Green is in Steven, Alberta. Oh, my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. um Stephen, who I didn't think watch, Steve McLean. Oh, yeah. uh Who else? All the boys at the gas station that talk shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> the ones who are going to pin the dead body on. Neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> you need ammunition. No, my coworkers.
0: I mean, Obviously. if they saw the unedited footage from you, I think they might talk shit even
3: more my son oh but no, that's that's, that's it. it, that's it. that's that's all i'm gonna I'm um, all I'm gonna thank cause I'm sure I'm gonna forget everyone anyway. I'm gonna forget someone, so mm-hmm. we'll cut it off there. but with that, um' we're your last
0: podcast, uh there's no point to tune in <laughs> next week or any other week, but uh, this was our last episode and I'd like to thank anybody who's been there since the beginning all the way until our last. So thank you for watching. I was Colton. (laughs) I'm still Josh. (laughs) I'm Grace.
3: I'm Ham. (laughs) And uh, thanks for watching. Thank you. See you later. Love you. Bye.